Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, everybody. Hi there. Welcome back. Here's what I want to do. I want to start off this episode with a bit of an apology. I have to remind myself that with global affairs consistently going on and different false flags and manufactured crises and the ongoing operation, I think, that's going on to take down certainly the world's mafia and the powers that be that have been controlling endless people and endless institutions and pulling the strings for a very long time, that to be dismissive of such a thing so quickly is a huge mistake, that we have a responsibility, myself included, to sort of stand away from it for a second and then watch what happens and then observe and make comments. So you know, it was about a week ago when I was rather dismissive of the whole Middle East thing. And I basically just said, hey, look, it's a false flag. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was just rather dismissive of all of it, um, forgetting, unfortunately, that there's plenty to learn throughout this entire thing and watching how people react and what people say and what people don't say. And all of that is is very, very important because it, again, continues to shine a light on very bad people. And it shines a light also on individuals who are incapable of learning, and individuals who are blackmailed, and individuals who have contractual obligations, but unfortunately they they put those obligations ahead of the truth. And I have a great deal of audio to essentially prove that very point for today's episode, but I just wanted to apologize because again I I knew it was a false flag from the word go, and I knew it was just going to be a giant mind control manipulation tactic yet again, more psychological warfare, but I have to remember to take a deep breath and just stand back and say, okay, look, you can't control this, so don't be dismissive of it, but pay attention to it, pay attention to the inconsistencies, and always look for the inconsistencies, because like clockwork, they're always there. So I'll try to do a little bit better next time and not be so dismissive right up front because, again, I've basically spent the entire week on the subject. Certainly within the first 30 some odd minutes of, of every episode. So that's not really being, <laughs> that's not, that's not being dismissive of the subject at all. I mean, I actually started to cover it more than I thought I would. But again, the revelations of everything that's taken place here have been so interesting. And watching all the Zogbots just run around like chickens with their heads cut off, not knowing what to say and what to do, but just doubling down on their own stupidity, I find absolutely fascinating. And uh, so with that said, again, I have lots of audio clips here. Let's see, I have at least three that I want to play for you. Uh, Not all right this second, but I will play them here toward the front half of this. First of all, I want to cover this hospital story in... uh, in the Gaza Strip, the, the rocket that allegedly now landed in the parking lot and still killed plenty of people. I found this entire story to be really sickening. The simple fact that people would be dead, and then all of a sudden people are pointing fingers, and then after that fact, people are being callous with individuals' lives by saying, well, the hospital wasn't hit, and it wasn't 500 people, it was only a parking lot and it was only 50. That's pretty disgusting, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty gross. People are still dead. It was still a rocket. 
and I again played video in the uh, you know that that I certainly found on Twitter and was making the rounds on Twitter, and I think I put it on my gab also. I did actually, and then I put it in the war video of an individual making a comparison between the sound of a United States missile and then the sound of the missile that allegedly hit this uh, hit this parking lot and killed a great deal of people. And the person making the post was essentially saying, that's a U.S. missile. That's what a United States military missile sounds like. And again, who were we selling military missiles to? It was pretty much Israel was what the individual making the post was claiming. So, you know, I, I, I don't know one way or another. I just know that the loss of life is not good and that any loss of life is clearly an avoidable thing. Uh, it, but but this uh, trivial back and forth of who's guilty, who's not, and all of this other stuff is is beyond ridiculous. So, again, you, you can sort of see the callous nature with individuals because, again, even the Chris Plants on talk radio the other day, I, I tuned in for, again, my usual five to ten seconds before I started exercising just to see what stupid things were coming out of his mouth. And sure enough, he blindly believed the U.S. military report and the Israeli military report. He said, well, U.S. intelligence says that it, it was a Hamas rocket that did it. And then he said, see, United States military. That's right. Who's going to doubt them? We, we, should, we should certainly believe them. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that was basically it. He said, we should all just blindly believe these people. No matter what they say, no matter what goes on, if the U.S. military says it's true, well, then it must be true. Again, if we've learned nothing, it should be that we shouldn't be trusting any of our government branches, and uh, and, and we should just be, again, doing our best to th think about things as objectively as humanly possible, and certainly not listening to a talk radio host just sort of make clicks and noises and and make immediate and very, uh, I don't know, certain determinations about particular things, and just say, see, why would you doubt that? Again, a person ma who makes comments like that, it's, it's I think, beyond embarrassing, but it's, it's not going away. So let me provide one quick example here of, uh, again, blatant facts that you're certainly not going to hear on talk radio. And, you know, the conservative uh, or cuck-servative Zogbot talk radio that exists in our country. But there's an eight-minute clip that came out of Gaza the other day. And I believe these guys are in Gaza. But anyway, it is a, it's a panel of Catholic priests and, and ministers and bishops and what have you. And they're all sitting at this table. And they're answering questions from the media. And the media says... Okay, so this attack at or around the hospital, is it true that you were warned about this in advance by Israelis, that the Zionists, so to speak, told you, or the IDF told you, you need to evacuate these areas because we're going to bomb them? And the guy says, yes. Again, the priest at the front with a microphone in front of his face, he says, yeah, we, we've been warned about this over the last few days. They told us whatever it was last last Thursday, last Friday, last Saturday, and then on Sunday, and then uh, you know, and and then this of course happens. So again, why would they want them out of the hospital 
if they didn't have plans on bombing either the parking lot or the hospitals themselves. He even says that it's multiple hospitals. It was like 17 or something like that that had been told to evacuate, and they didn't evacuate them. They, they stayed put because they had to. They have patients. They're, they're a hospital. The reason I'm bringing this up is this is not what conservative talk radio is going to bring up. They're not going to bring up the fact that the Zionists and the Israelis, that they are backing and supporting blindly throughout this entire thing, were actually telling hospitals to evacuate your patients because they should anticipate being attacked. I mean, again, wrap your head around that. That means that conservative, cuckservative, zogbot talk radio hosts are 100% fine with hospitals being destroyed. And then, of course, what's the justification and the excuse that they use? They say, well, Hamas uses people in hospitals as human shields. That's why, uh, you know, that, that's why they're telling them to evacuate the hospitals because they want to flush out the enemy and they have a history of using human shields. Well, again, in the war video that I played in the most recent uh, most recent war video, at the beginning of the video section, you're going to hear Abby Martin talk to Joe Rogan when she was on Joe Rogan's podcast many, many, many years ago, and she openly talks about her trip over to Palestine, and she says it's absolute hell on earth. The way that the Israelis treat the Palestinians, they treat them like absolute savages, like absolute animals. They shoot all of them. They shoot the kids. They play target practice with their genitals. They execute them at the drop of a hat. There's martial law there all of the time. Uh, they have different license plates for whether or not a person is Jewish or Palestinian. Uh, they can execute them at the drop of a hat, like I said, you know, without any cause or any reason whatsoever. If they don't like the look on their face, they can shoot them in the head. She she goes on and on and on, and she says, I was there for a month, and I didn't think I was going to survive. We're going from one place to the next, and she goes, it's just, it's, the, it's just hell on earth. I'll also never forget this. This is rather interesting. In fact, this has happened from numerous individuals, but I remember Conan O'Brien even going over there once and thinking like it would be fun and funny for him to go over there and, you know... uh take footage and, and have conversations with people. And I mean, even he was being spit on. And even he was being treated like a piece of trash from Israelis that were over there and from Jews that were over there. And he didn't understand why. And eventually they stopped filming because he was being, mis he was being yelled at and mistreated. I remember the same thing with uh, the documentary worker, uh, I'm sorry, filmmaker Morgan Spurlock. I remember he was the guy who did the Super Size Me documentary. I remember him going over there, same exact thing, same exact treatment. So they defend all of these environments and they, you know, they defend Israel to the bone and then they end up going over there. And if they're not getting the, I don't know, the, the, the pamphlet brochure sort of tour, then they end up realizing that they're in the wrong place and that they actually don't belong there and that the people who live there don't want them there. It's, it's remarkable. And again, there's endless footage of this, but these priests right here talking about how they were being told to leave because there was the threat of, of their hospitals being blown up. I'm sorry, but conservative talk radio is never going to cover that. They're never going to cover that truth, which should tell you again, who do, they, who do they bend the knee to? Is it Jesus Christ or is it the Zogbot that, that, uh, that cuts their checks? 
I think we have the answer to that. Let me give you another example. This was the so-called, quote-unquote, insurrection from the other day. Okay? <laughs> what, what took place in the Capitol. This, this whole thing, by the way, in fact, this will be the first piece of audio I play. As it turns out, it was leaked through emails that numerous religions and numerous bloodlines were going to get together and call, call for a ceasefire within the Capitol building and that there, there would be some kind of a demonstration or a protest. The problem is, is that they also all received an email inside of Washington, in particular among both the media and Congress, basically saying, don't call for a ceasefire. Don't, don't use the words ceasefire or de-escalation. Whatever you do, don't say those things. Basically, again, make sure that you're on board 100% with the manufactured division because we are going full bore into this, no matter what. So whatever you do, don't call for peace, don't call for de-escalation, don't do any of that. Well, what ends up happening then? They end up having signs that say ceasefire. And then I'll get into the division of what actually took place in there because, again, the, the story that the media ran with was a divisive one and it was false. It was 100% fake, the story that the media ran with. So let me play this audio first because, again, this has to do with the leaked email and how they knew that something like this would occur, but more importantly, how the media has been told, whatever you do, don't call for a ceasefire. That's why there were signs being carried in giant banners that said ceasefire. These were individuals who, again, were calling out the Washington establishment and saying, look, we're not going along with this. Now, again, I don't like Rashida Tlaib. She's, she's a bigot, okay? Fully, she, she's a full-blown bigot. I mean, she's one of these people where it's her way or the highway along with many other individuals, I'm sure, who were there and supporting all of this. But at the same time, as you've heard me say, certainly in the last episode, it's not a black or white issue. There's a gray area in the middle, and actually, the gray area kind of existed in this little demonstration, but the media wouldn't let you see it. And, and media posters or wannabes, certainly posers, like Laura Loomer and her, you know, her, her Zionist take on everything, uh, she wouldn't want you to. She wouldn't want you to know the truth either. So she's been divisive in this entire thing too. I mean, that goes without saying. But anyway, let me play this audio first, and then I'll come in on the end and uh, expose what, unfortunately, Lo Laura Loomer is trying to keep from endless people regarding that particular demonstration. So here's the audio in three, two, one. It's almost hard to believe U.S. State Department officials have been told not to promote de-escalation when commenting on the war between Israel and Hamas. That is according to an email leaked by the Huffington Post. In messages circulated on Friday, State Department staff wrote that high-level officials do not want press materials to include three specific phrases, de-escalation, ceasefire, and to violence, bloodshed, and restoring calm. Yeah, we got reaction from a labor and human rights lawyer, Dan Kovalik, and he feels that Washington is heading towards becoming a direct party to this conflict. In the end, the U.S. becomes a party to this violence. I believe genocidal violence that's happening in Gaza, in which now over a thousand children have been killed uh, in Gaza. Tens of thousands of people will die in Gaza with U.S. weapons 
and uh, with the U.S. openly calling uh, for their diplomats not to encourage peace means the U.S. is a party to these crimes. This is very typical double standards that we see in the United States. You know, when uh, Russia began its special military operations last year, Joe Biden said, oh, this is the first war in Europe since World War II. And of course, um, Biden and his other officials said, oh, you know, we do not support the invasion of other countries. Meanwhile, the U.S. has invaded Iraq and Afghanistan, Libya, Somalia. So, I mean, we just see the U.S. Um, ignoring its own crimes, ignoring the crimes of its allies while trying to highlight the crimes or alleged crimes of its adversaries. So again, two major things there. This email gets leaked and it tells everybody in the media in Washington, don't use those particular terms because we're going full bore into this war. That's number one. Number two, the guy at the end highlights the hypocrisy of these politicians 100%. And it's not just Joe Biden, it's, it's all of them. It's all of them. Marjorie Taylor Greene, for God's sakes, was filming herself for 14, 15 minutes running around the Capitol going, what about the J6ers? These people get to do this, but the J6ers get to go to jail, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Marjorie, because it's Washington, D.C., the same game that you play, the same place where you work and where you live, and you're, you're what? You're shocked at, uh, at the double standard of any kind? Marjorie Taylor Greene is the double standard. She's a, walking, she's a walking contradiction. She's a walking hypocrite. She does it constantly. I'm the victim over here, and now look at the hypocrisy over here. She can never get her story straight. There's not a coattail around that she won't grab onto, and the same is true again with the other side of the proverbial aisle. They're the same enemies. They're the same people. They're all playing for the Zogbot. They're not playing for us. They don't represent us. It's Again, it's the old, they're our greatest ally kind of thing. We are supposed to be their greatest ally. We. The Americans, in America, on American soil, but that's not the case. She plays the division game just like Rashida Tlaib plays the division game. So let's do this instead. Let's go down the gray area, so to speak, but certainly the middle way and look at this multidimensionally. There's a couple of images, of course, that were making the rounds, and most of them are rather dismissive of who's actually there. And of course, no one's paying attention to the signs that existed there, let alone what was written on the shirts of the people who were sitting there and sitting in. Now, they're all wearing black shirts with white lettering on it, but people weren't paying attention to what the shirts said. So first of all, here's Laura Loomer's post on Twitter. She says the following, breaking, there is currently an actual pro-Hamas insurrection inside the U.S. Capitol in D.C. where pro-terror rioters are disrupting official proceedings by attacking Israel's right to defend itself. When is at FBI going to raid their homes and send them to jail for 22 years on blah, 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 and then it goes on and on and on. She also includes a picture from Newsmax, which, by the way, is owned and operated by Zionists also. But the headline says, Breaking News, Anti-Israeli Protests Take Place on Capitol Hill. Now let's examine the actual picture. If you look at the picture, 
the entire room, not everybody in the room, but lots of people in the room, are Jewish. They're at least claiming to be Jewish. They're wearing shirts that literally say on the back, Jews say ceasefire now. There's at least two banners that also say ceasefire. And those are making the rounds and being held up and, and being passed around. One of them was hanging down over, over the railing up top, and then one of them was, was on the ground among the crowd. There's also a couple other ones. There's a couple other banners. One says, Jews say ceasefire now. And another one says, mourn the dead and fight like hell for the living. Now explain to me what's wrong with that. What is wrong with any of that? These are individuals. I don't care their bloodline or their religious affiliation. These are individuals calling for peace. But you have Laura Loomer calling to wipe these people out. I thought these were her people. I thought this was her bloodline. I thought these were, these were Jewish individuals. But no, she's looking past all the small hats they're wearing and all the t-shirts that they're wearing that say, Jews say ceasefire now. And she calls these pro-Hamas insurrectionists, where pro-terror rioters are disrupting official proceedings by attacking Israel's right to defend itself, quote-unquote. She's, she's, I mean, honest as shit. She's looking at you, and she's holding up an apple, and she's saying, how on earth could you like this banana? You can't like this banana. This is a terrible banana. What is this banana doing here? And you're looking at her and going, wait a minute, it's an apple. <laughs> you're, holding, you're holding an apple in your hand. Are you feeling okay? This is, this is the propaganda. It's in front of people's faces, but they aren't willing to look past the yelling and the screaming. Again, the media ran, everybody ran with it yesterday. Ultra Pepe Lives Matter, a thousand other people. Pro-Palestinians, pro-Hamas were in there and, and it was like an insurrection. And why aren't they being arrested like the J6ers? And this is the hypocrisy and blah, blah, blah. All of this, again, the, the, the demonstration was peaceful. They're all sitting in. They're not, they're not taking podiums and vandalizing anything. They all walked in. They all sat down. And they started to do what they do in every state house across the United States. And yeah, they didn't get arrested. This wasn't January 6th. Windows didn't get broken. It wasn't a Fed operation. It wasn't, uh, I mean, it could have been, but who, I mean, who really cares? The, the, the point is, is there was, no, there was no violence. No one was stealing podiums or lecterns, rather. Uh, you know, and none of that was happening. These people came in like I said, of, of numerous denominations, so to speak, or numerous religious affiliations. They're all, for the most part, wearing the exact same kind of shirt. And it turns out that, oops, they happen to be Jewish, and they happen to be people who are calling for peace. Now, why is that a bad thing again? I ask that one more time. Why is that a bad thing? Why are they calling for people to not be killed anymore? Is that bad? Of course not. But both people on both sides of the proverbial aisle are trying to get you to believe that calling for peace is a bad thing. That's the poison pill. That's the poison well that the people like Laura Loomer want you to drink from. 
Now let me play this next piece of audio. This is Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. Now you've heard me say this before, I don't like him. I've never liked him. I said it very early on. I said I don't like his face. I just don't like his face. Sometimes you can look at somebody and you can just go, you know, something about that guy. It's like he touched a kid somewhere along the line or, you know, he did, he did something. Because you, you don't get to that particular spot in politics and, and not be blackmailed to some extent. Now, with all of my speculation aside, this particular clip of Josh Hawley uh, and, and his, his, his questioning of a number of individuals that were sitting in on this committee, and my apologies for not knowing the committee the committee's actual name, but Ted Cruz sits to his left. I, I don't think it's the Judiciary Committee, although it could be. But uh, Cory Booker sits on this also. And Mike Lee, I think, is there too. Either way, the the president for the NCAA was there along with other individuals from colleges and universities, apparently. And they were there to uh, essentially testify against uh, or or for, either advocate for or against the student athletes and, and, chan- and transgender policies and, and all that other nonsense, okay? That was essentially the gist of, of the entire hearing. The clip, however, of Hawley making the rounds the other day, even on Gab, was of him questioning the NCAA president about Riley Gaines. And the way that she was treated from, you know, that Thomas dude who's pretending to be a woman and, and all of that. The unfortunate part is that the real full clip of his testimony was left out because it's the first couple of minutes or the first minute or so that is really telling about who Josh Hawley is and what Josh Hawley's agenda is. And it's not a good one. So I'm not going to play the stuff having to do with Riley Gaines and transgenders in, in you know transgenders in sports. I'm not interested in that. You've heard my take on that. It's rather straightforward, and I'm sure you agree. If you have genitals of a male, you shouldn't be playing a female sport, and vice versa. So I'm not I'm not concerned with any of that. That that should go without saying. Again, Riley Gaines is a you know, a multimillionaire now, I'm sure she's 100% fine. But either way, what Josh Hawley said at the beginning had no place to be said, number one. But he says it anyway, and it is essentially, and I'm going to front load it here, but he essentially says, you need to agree with this or else. You need to stand with Israel or else. And he's, again, he's asking the president of the NCAA, this particular question, does he condemn the blah, 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 blah. I'll just play the audio and you can hear it straight from his stupid mouth. So give this a listen in three, two, one. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Uh, Mr. Baker, Governor Baker, if I could just start with you. I appreciated your comments in your opening statement about the attacks, the terrorist attacks in the state of Israel and the need to condemn those for what they are. Let me ask you about some of the statements that student groups on the campuses of your member schools have said recently. Students at Harvard wrote, they, quote, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. Students at Ohio State University praised, quote, the heroic, heroic resistance in Gaza. Students at the University of North Carolina claimed, quote, it is our moral obligation to be in solidarity with the dispossessed. This includes 
violence. Students at New York University wrote, peaceful discourse must be rejected and instead said there is no peace in a colonized people living under occupation, subjugation, and apartheid, referring to Israel. And finally, I'm sure you know Columbia University. Columbia is actually forced to close its campus when an Israeli student was assaulted and numerous Jewish American students were threatened. Would you condemn this rhetoric of violence and anti-Semitism at these campuses? I think it's important, and I say this as much as a former governor, as I say it as the current head of the NCAA, for all of us, whether we agree with someone's general political philosophy or not, to condemn any support for violence. There is never an excuse for unprovoked attacks on innocent people. And I, you know, I've said many times, and I said it a lot when I was governor, that um, we have gotten really casual about the way we think about violence in this country. Um, and I said it all the way through the summer of 2020 when we had some really horrible things that happened uh, to members of our black community. and. I think the, I, I think I think we have a cultural problem there as much as anything else, Senator. And I think it's important for everybody on all sides of the political spectrum to call that stuff out. Good, I agree with you. I'm glad you're willing to say it. I think it's important that the NCAA be willing to say it. You've got many Jewish American athletes, I'm sure, and Jewish American students, indeed. And while, and I think you were gesturing to this, while the First Amendment certainly protects the right of anybody on our campuses and across the country to say what they want peacefully, peacefully. It doesn't mean that we have to condone it and act as if it's morally acceptable. And I think it's, it's vital that we take a stand. I'm going to ask the Senate to take a stand on the same rhetoric and condemn it as the violent anti-Semitic rhetoric that it is. Let me ask you about a student safety issue of a different kind. Earlier this year, this committee, her testimony from a 12-time All-American swimmer, Riley Gaines. Do you see the complete collapse here? The complete erosion of the existence of the First Amendment to the United States Constitution among elected officials to be only one-sided. It can apparently only be one-sided now when it, whenever there's any kind of a criticism or a conflict. They're all Zogbots, all of them. They're all, they're all owned by Zionists, all of them. This is how deep the swamp is. He is the swamp. They're all the swamp. Left, right, center, doesn't matter. They're all the swamp. He used the term anti-Semitic. There's no such thing. He said anybody, again, anybody who criticizes Jews is you know, is sort of instantly calling for violence. And then he says, well, yeah, we have freedom of speech and, and blah, blah, blah. See, the real problem here is that he has no problem eroding freedom of speech as long as he gets his way. And as long as any kind of a dissenting voice is publicly condemned and squashed, that's not freedom of speech then, is it? That's not the definition of it. If Josh Hawley were alive 
back during the forming of this country, he would have been tarred and feathered. He would have been hung by the neck until dead. End of story. He's an absolute embarrassment to what the forefathers had planned for this country. One of which, I should say, a rather famous quote by George Washington, I'm paraphrasing it, my apologies, but he essentially said that no one in America should ever pledge allegiance to another country. We should never allow foreign influence in our country under any circumstance whatsoever. And they should do whatever they have to do to make sure that that never happens. Well, look what's happened. Zionists run this country. They're in complete and utter control. They have their hooks in Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, Cory Booker, uh, Macy Hirono. It doesn't matter the senator or the congressman or woman. It does not matter. Same thing with the NCAA president, who apparently is a former governor. Same thing. He didn't bring up Palestinians at all. He just brought up Jewish athletes and Jewish students. Well, what about Middle Eastern students and Middle Eastern athletes? Is everybody just supposed to bend the knee to Zogbot too? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's in moments like this, no different than the Patriot Act after 9-11, same kind of thing. They use the opportunity that is manufactured to destroy our rights and to take them and to normalize that kind of language. Again, everything that Josh Hawley said is an absolute abomination. We need to condemn all this anti-Semitism and... Uh, I, I'm, I'm for peaceful protest, but calling for violence is absolutely horrific. That's right, because Jews have never called for violence for us, have they? Not once. Jews have never done that to anybody. In fact, let me play some audio now from Glenn Beck. Here's what Glenn Beck said the other day from my usual 10 to 15 second clip of listening into his show to see what stupid things come out of his mouth. He actually he actually says what is common knowledge among those who understand real history. He actually says it, but he doesn't ask, well, why was that the case and why is that the case? Why is it that Zionists have been thrown out of hundreds of countries? Why is that why is that a historic fact, Glenn? So here's Glenn's Zionistic approach on the entire thing, and again, his believe-me-or-else approach in 3, 2, 1. Hello, America. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. The president uh, is in Israel, just gave a speech, defense of Israel. Uh, I, I can't figure him out. It's like the arsonist, you know, showing up at the fire, telling the fireman, hey, you, you keep, I'm supporting you, just keep going. But maybe that's just me. Uh, the Israeli people need to hear somebody standing up for them and defending them, especially with the lies that are coming out now about this hospital. Uh, our embassies are under attack all over the Middle East. Uh, this looks like it is spreading into something uh, much, much worse. You know, I, I was talking to uh, somebody the other day, and they said, why don't the Israelis just leave. They, their families are in danger. Why don't they just leave? And I looked at him and I said, and go where? And go where? They're kicked out of, uh, of every uh, nation they're in. Or if, if they try to defend themselves in a foreign nation, they're called the problem. This is it. 
This is this is why Israel exists. So they have a right to stand up for themselves and defend themselves because Jews have a right to live. I don't know. Call me crazy. Andrew Tobin is the Washington Free Beacon deputy editor. He's an American citizen. He moved over to cover Israel a couple of years ago with his family, and he has decided, I'm staying, even though there have been calls for Americans to evacuate. He and his family are standing in Israel. Okay, first of all, there's so much there. I told you, I, 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 only, I, can only, <laughs> I can only do it. I can only tune in for like 10, 15 seconds. I really can't. I can't listen beyond it because the hypocrisy is so thick. First of all, that particular audio clip was at the 11, uh, 11 o'clock hour, Eastern Standard Time at the, at the top of the hour. Uh, th- that would have been on Wednesday. It always starts off with this song with this dude saying, we have to stand together or we're not going to survive. That's one of the lyrics in sort of his intro song. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because that's not what old Glenn and his crew are calling for. They're not calling for people to find a peaceful solution to what's really going on, are they? No, 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 no. No, he wants them wiped off the face of the planet, anybody who doesn't agree with him. So that's the first, that's the first thing. The second real telling moment of that audio clip, I think, is when he talks about Joe Biden being over there and how that's confusing to him. Well, Joe Biden's over there uh, standing with Israel, as, as we all do, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know what to think about him being over there and, and doing that. Well, wait a minute. The same guy that you don't think really won the election in 2020, the same guy that you make money criticizing on a constant basis, now all of the sudden, you're glad he's over there supporting the same people that you're supporting, even though you're allegedly on opposite sides, ideologically on every subject, but now all of the sudden you support him. Glenn can't see that confusion. I mean, he said it. He said, I, I, I seem kind of confused, or this is confusing to me, but maybe that's just me. That right there is where Glenn Beck is incapable of getting, he's not, he's not capable of getting past that thought. That's it. He just showed you where, where his mental ability starts and stops. It's right there. He can't see that the entire thing is a charade. Because now the guy he hates is over there defending the people that he so desperately loves and so cherishes so dearly. All the Israelis over there. And there's no, and again, you'll never hear them use the term Zionist the way that it is really intended. Again, Zionist is atheism. The, the, the people who are Zionists are not Jews. Those are the individuals, again, that want everybody but them wiped from the face of the planet. But they, they use that term so casually as if to mean that Israel should exist, that if you're a Zionist, then that means that you stand with Israel. No matter what, I might add. No matter what. Well, if it's no matter what, well, congratulations. You're proving that you're a Zionist then, Glenn. You're proving that you're 100% fine with them killing children, using their genitals as target practice, picking them off from any distance. 
And then, of course, the first moment that there's a story or a misconception about a particular story, well, then it instantly becomes some Palestinian lie, that there's no way that Jews in Israel would lie about anything. And then again, you heard him say, look, they've been kicked out of, you know, why wouldn't the Israelis just leave? Why wouldn't the Jews just leave Israel? They've been kicked out of every country, uh, you know, for, for centuries. Yes, Glenn, they certainly have. Now, why is that the case? Because Zionists are communists. That's why. That's a fact. That's a historic fact. They want it to be their way, or you are an infidel, as even the Middle Easterners and, and you know, whatever, the Arabs would, would call people. Not the Christians, of course, but I'm talking about the radicals, call them infidels, but they call us goyim. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a good name. That's not a good name. And they want us to die because, again, we're just silly goyim. We're, we're sheep to them, according, according to them. Well, these are the people that Glenn Beck is defending. These are the people that Josh Hawley is defending. These are the people, again, that Laura Loomer is defending. The list is endless. It's all of them. I'll give you another example. I switched over to Real America's Voice uh, in the late afternoon. It was before the six o'clock hour. And there's two gals that, ho- that basically host a show. And they also were talking about that hospital thing. And they immediately had on a Jewish man. And they immediately were taking whatever, basically everything that he was saying directly to heart. And there's no way that he would lie to us. And that this rocket was shot uh, by actual Palestinians at one of their own uh, hospitals in one of their own parking lots outside of this particular hospital. This is again back when people thought that the hospital was was directly hit. So they have on this Jewish guy who goes, "No, that's clearly not a Jewish rocket." It's it's beyond evident that it is a Palestinian rocket, and and the two you know the two white women were like, oh yes, this is just horrible, but yes, you're absolutely right. Just blindly believing this guy. Again, it was it was amazing, and it turns out they were all wrong. <laughs> that's that's the key. That's the key point. They were all wrong. They were all wrong about what what took place. So again, to very briefly just bring it back to what I said at the very beginning of this episode, you know, I need to be less dismissive immediately of these false flag attacks because, it, again, it's during these manufactured crises where endless things are revealed and endless people reveal themselves for having an inability to think. But also there's endless people that really rise to the top and can show individuals, hey, look, we can be as objective as humanly possible and see right through all the bullshit as much as, as, much as we can. And let's look at this as objectively as, as we can here. So I have to play this too now. And this is absolutely exquisite, not to mention, not to pat myself on the back, but it does prove a, a, a very consistent point that I've had about these kinds of organizations that just prey on gullible Americans as much as humanly possible while grifting off of them at the exact same time and trying to control the way that they think and, again, where they basically just give their money and their time and their energy. You've heard me criticize with regularity the Reawaken America tour. And I got to tell you, I mean, 
this audio clip is exquisite. It's just, it can't get any better than this. You're familiar with the Canadian Chris Sky. Guy is uh, absolutely amazing. He's fearless. He tells the truth all the time. He's not bought. He's not sold. Uh, th- this guy is 100% legit. Th- there's no, there's no if, ifs, ands, or buts about it. He was invited to give a talk at the Reawaken America tour. And I'm going to let Stu Peters explain this entire situation. But they just gave up the entire agenda, the Reawaken America tour as to the kinds of Zogbot grifters that they are. Keep in mind, you got to ask yourself this question, where did this Clay, uh, Clay Clark guy come from? I've had people say he's a Mason. I have no reason to doubt that. I've watched clips of him begging for money from people, that if everybody here just gave up $100, we would have $100,000, and then we would be able to, to have another tour and, and have more of this and have more of that. Meanwhile. At every Reawaken America tour, there are people who are invited and then kicked off of the stage before they even reach the stage because there are people who are also giving speeches there that they don't like or that disagree with them. See, the Reawaken America tour has to have the same people all on the same Zogbot side. And if they're not all all on that same side, well, then you get the hook. It's exit stage left and you get hooked right off the stage. That's what happened with Chris Sky. So again, I'm going to let Stu Peters describe this. This was Monday night's Stu Peters episode where Chris Sky was on describing what happened to him and how he got kicked out of the Reawaken America tour after being invited to actually speak. Give this a listen in three, two, one. Three years ago, Chris Sky predicted exactly where this COVID pandemic would go. Lockdowns and masks eventually turning into mandatory vaccines and mandatory boosters and permanent social control. Chris's 100% correct prediction made him a pariah to the Canadian dictator Justin Trudeau. No surprise there. The events of the past week in the Middle East have done something far more extreme. They have now turned Chris Sky into a pariah even among those who claim to be America first. A week ago, on October 9th, Chris tweeted out this video in response to impending war in Gaza. He said what a lot of people are thinking, that however bad Hamas's atrocities are, they're not a justification for the wholesale ethnic cleansing and genocide it looks like we might be on the verge of. What's going on, everybody? We need to talk about Israel and Palestine for a second. Besides the fact that this is nothing more than a new way of creating division among society, and especially within the freedom movement, let's analyze this for a second. If you are from the freedom movement or the truther movement, and you are about human rights and the truth being proliferated, well, how can you support Israel? The same people that are supporting the Israeli invasion and takeover of Palestine are the same people that control what you see on TV, the same people that rig elections, and the same people that control, censor, and ban people like you and me from social media. So when your beliefs contradict themselves and you're like, I'm a freedom fighter, I believe in human rights and I believe in the truth. And then at the same time, you're like, I support Israel's invasion against Palestine, which is brought to me by the same propaganda matrix that brought me COVID and climate change and every other lie. Wake up, ladies and gentlemen. It's not that hard to figure out. Now, that video went 
immensely viral on social media, picked up about one and a half million views. The consequences were almost immediate. Chris was supposed to speak at the Reawaken America tour event at the Trump Hotel in Miami, Florida last week. Instead, his speech was canceled. The police were brought to escort him off the property as a trespasser, all because he spoke against the pending war in Gaza. Chris, of course, has never been one to back down, and he's not backing down now. As a matter of fact, a few days later, he released a follow-up video explaining his views in more detail. Have a look. You guys want to know why I'm talking about the Israeli-Palestine conflict? It's not because I hate Israelis. It's not because I support Hamas. It's because I don't want war. And I know what happens next. Don't believe me? Just watch your favorite TV that you haven't been listening to for the last three years that you're now glued to for some odd reason called brainwashing that you can't acknowledge. But you're going to see some new rhetoric in the next couple of days. A country called Iran is going to start talking and saying, oh, they can't just stand by and watch what happens in Gaza to their fellow Arabs. So they're going to have to step in. And by stepping in, that means they're going to try to threaten Israel with attack. Israel would love for Iran to attack it because then they could cry to America to go attack Iran. And all your TV stations will be telling you it's time to invade Iran. And if that happens and there is an attack on Iran, then we're going to have a massive war. So rather than have World War III, because Israel wants to create greater Israel and take over what's left of Palestine and eliminate the rest of their enemies in the region using American money and American bodies and American media, well, if you support that, that's not very bright because you're talking about millions and millions of people dying. So if you support de-escalation, a two-state solution, identified borders, and the end of a military blockade, now we can save not just the millions of lives in the Gaza Strip, but we can save millions of lives around the world. Again, he's not wrong. And I'm only jumping in here just for a second just to introduce the next part. That He's, he's 100% right. The next part is him describing what happened at the Reawaken America tour and what led to him getting kicked out, and then, of course, how he was treated and then what he saw. Give this a listen. And Israel does not care about you, America. When I was at the Reawakening in America tour, I had to sit through a uh, I had to sit through a prayer for Israel in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you understand how ridiculous that is? Go ask the average Israeli what they think of Jesus. I don't know if you guys realize this, but Jesus was crucified and killed by the Jewish people. They don't see him as a messiah. They see him as a false prophet it's like me saying a prayer for you Stu, in the name of osama bin laden would you be would you be welcome to it or would you be offended the israelis do not care about america the israelis do not care about anyone not only do they have uh the 52 war crimes they have something called the samson option have you heard of that i'm sure you have but your viewers might have not the samson option is where israel has declared that they have placed nuclear weapons in virtually every country's embassy around the world. So if the USA does not go to war for Israel, or the USA doesn't stand up and protect Israel, people try to invade Israel. Israel has literally held the world hostage and said that they will detonate suitcase nukes in virtually every country around the world simultaneously, basically destroying the world with them. Imagine any other country 
said something like that on the world say imagine china said ha 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 we have planted nuclear weapons in every country around the world and if you invade us we're going to set them off the entire world would be against china it would be the biggest topic in the world but israel does it and not only does israel do it at the same time israel pretends like they don't even have nuclear weapons so we have this situation where israel is considered exceptional in the world and they can do whatever they want. They can commit war crimes, whatever they want. They can take as many much money as they want. They can kill as many people as they want. They can take as much land as they want. And if you do not go to war for Israel, and if you do not submit to Israel, and if you do not submit and pretend that they are your superiors, now you're a racist. That is the best marketing campaign in the history of mankind. You either be my slave, do what I say, and give me unequivocal support in money, media, and warm bodies to die, or you're a racist. Okay, so that obviously these viewpoints that you're saying are in direct alignment with everything that this platform agrees with. I mean, we've been saying these things for a very long time, pointing out the obvious. We expect attacks from people like Media Matters. We expect attacks from the ADL and the Daily Beast. You know, and the Rolling Stone and the New York Times and Newsweek. But I didn't see it coming that a supposed America First event like the Reawaken America tour at the Trump Hotel, Miami, would have somebody whose viewpoints are in alignment with that truth banned and exiled from an event like that. So, what happened? What was the explanation? Who made that decision? Well, all I can tell you is on the third day, I was told, uh, and the first day was just a pastor-only event, and I got invited to it because I was there with Pastor Felix from Saving a Child. And on the second day, I was there as part of media and a VIP guest, and I just did interview after interview. And they approached me on the second day and said, a whole bunch of our speakers uh, didn't show up, so we might want you to speak tomorrow if you don't mind. And I said, sure, I would love to speak tomorrow. And I had no intention of speaking about Israel in the first place. It was not even in the, it was not even in the back of my mind. And then when I went there on the third day, I went to the speaker's area to talk to Aaron, the stage manager. He saw me. He expected me. He ran over to me, shook my hand enthusiastically and said, I'll be right with you. Then I looked at the time and I had to do a podcast at 11. So I ran back to the media area to do my podcast for saving a child with Felix. And as soon as I finished, I had these guys come up to me that looked like secret service because they definitely weren't normal security guards. They clearly were ex-military. They clearly looked like people that have killed a lot of people for a living. And they didn't have the normal bravado of a stupid security guard. They were very professional, but you could tell they meant business. And they came over all serious and said, sir, are you Chris Sky? And I said, yes. So you're going to have to come with us. I go, excuse me? Come with you where? Like, you're going to have to be escorted off the property. I said, for what? They said, you're being trespassed. I go, trespassed? First of all, I have a ticket and a paid event. Second of all, I have a media pass. So how can I be trespassed? They said it's reference to a social media post. And they opened up their phone and they showed me the post for the video that you just played. That's all I know. That's exactly what they're talking about. So I said, fine. And I walked outside with them. And when I got outside, there was an army of police officers waiting there for me to try to intimidate me. And they had a picture of my social media post. So at that point, I started recording. And when I started recording, they got really upset. They tried to lie and pretend like they weren't there for me. So then I said, if you're not there for me, let me leave. And they said, absolutely not. You're being detained. So they contradicted themselves. And then when I asked why I was being detained, they told me if I didn't stop, they were going to arrest me for just causing a disturbance when I was simply trying to leave and i was already outside of the building when i asked it to when i asked the police officer what i did to constitute a disturbance he said shut up you're a bullshit artist 
So basically what they were letting me know is they didn't like what I wrote on social media. So they were going to try to intimidate me and shut me up because you have freedom of speech in America until you speak about Israel. And then they're going to try to shut you up. And I don't have anything against the Israeli people, because I'll tell you right now, if Benjamin Netanyahu got a deal made where they said, hey, we can kill all of Iran and all of the United States, but you'll have to sacrifice five and a half million Israelis. He would take that deal in a heartbeat and he wouldn't even lose a second of sleep. So the Israelis are being used as pawns, just like the, the Palestinians are being used as cannon fodder. And the whole idea here is to draw America into a large war. I don't know how many of you need to hear this, but Israel was created in 1947 by something called the Balfour Declaration. The Balfour Declaration was written by some people called the Rothschilds. The Rothschilds have been the financiers behind virtually both sides of every major war. They are also the financiers of the British monarchy. Yes, the same British monarchy that you Americans had to fight the American Revolution for your independence for. And you think they just forgot? And you think they just let it go? And you think they just wanted you to have your freedom and make all this money? No. They took control of your country. And that's why politicians and Trump needs to stand up and say something about this. Because Trump is supposed to be about America first. You can't be Israel first and America first. You have to choose one or the other. And we have all these dual citizens inside the United States, dual citizen Israelis. Those people cannot be serving two masters. And we have this declaration, and nobody knows this, if you want to be a congressman, a senator, any part of the U.S. government, before you are allowed to take office, APAC, Israeli, uh, Israeli, American Israeli Public Action Committee, the most well-funded and most powerful political lobby in all of the United States literally makes every member of the U.S. government sign a pledge that they will put Israel's interests before the United States. This is a fact, period. So when you have this little country that's run by bankers, created by bankers, the same bankers that have put virtually every country around the world into debt, and then the same bankers that make America invade all the countries in the region that don't have a Rothschild central bank, Libya, Iraq, Syria, these are all target countries by the Rothschilds who control Israel and also control America. Why? Because if they don't have a Rothschild central bank to loan you your own money at interest, then they cannot put your country into debt and take completely control of your government, your industries, your war machine, and everything else. So if you do not go along with the Rothschild bursary program, they get America to invade your country and blow it up to the point where you need to take a loan from them to rebuild it. Wow. And that has been the formula over and over and over again. And it is not an accident that the only two countries left in the Middle East without a Rothschild central bank are Syria and Iran. And those are the ones that everybody wants the U.S. to invade next. I can't add anything to that. I'm not even going to try. It was perfect. He's 100% right on everything he said. And he is a perfect example of why you're never going to hear that on conservative talk radio among the likes of Chris Plant, Glenn Beck, Dan Bongino. Doesn't matter. Certainly not Dennis Prager. Good Lord. Definitely not him. But you're never going to get 
that historic truth on their programs. And you've heard me say again, yes, I've criticized Stu Peters in the past for not learning quick enough about particular things and not not being faster on the old uptake regarding certain subjects. Stu Peters is learning and learning quickly. He's learning faster now. He does not suffer fools gladly. And I'm glad that he had Chris Sky on, and I'm glad that Chris Sky said everything that he said. It was absolutely exquisite. 100% exquisite. Well done. That right there is the problem. The Reawaken America Tour is a Zionist, Bolshevik organization. And now you know. And anybody claiming otherwise is ignoring the truth. You heard my criticism of them many, many, many months ago, if not well over a year plus ago, that they were, in my opinion, actively, I would say, leeching off of the individuals who were so-called conservatives who would attend megachurches. And unfortunately, those churches, not really being of the word of God, of course, closed themselves down during the fake pandemic. And they closed themselves down, and the Reawaken America, uh, Reawaken America Tour openly said to themselves as a marketing scheme, here's what we'll do. We'll go to the megachurches that support us, because ultimately we're in each other's pockets anyway. And then we'll have a series of speakers in this giant tour, and we'll basically bring that entire crowd of church-going, megachurch-donating uh, you know, um, Americans, and we'll bring them and their wallets and their purses into these mega churches, and they'll hear our speeches and they'll hear our takes, and we'll have the occasional prayer from time to time, and we will grift the ever living shit out of them and squeeze them for every dollar and every boomer dollar that they have. Every retirement cent they will give to us. They knew exactly what they were doing, it was all a scheme. It was all purposeful. Oh, your church has, has turned its back on you? Well, we, we won't. We never will. Come out to the Reawaken America tour and we will do this. And we'll give you that same kind of environment. We'll have music and prayer and speeches from knowledgeable people, so to speak, on a number of subjects, and you'll just love it. But we're always open. You don't have to wear a mask around us. We're your hero. But isn't that always the Freemasonic approach? That when the people need a hero, one will be provided to them. Again, I'm paraphrasing Albert Pike, but that's what he said. Well, enter Clay Clark and his ragtag group of misfits like Simone Gold and uh, Mel Kay and all these other goofballs who came from seemingly nowhere. Interesting. They all share something in common. Many of them are Jewish, as it turns out. And certainly they have Masonic ties to some extent. So, there you go. Well done, Chris Skye. He's on our side, ladies and gentlemen. He's on our side. That's a guy that I'd walk side by side with in any fight, no matter what. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Now, let me keep the train rolling here, but I'm going to slide right into education. 
This was thrown my way just the other day from a listener of the show. They know who they are, and thank you for emailing me this. This, again, is <laughs> it's just it's so rich. Oh, it's so rich. This right here is the death spiral that all of these presidents of these universities are engaging in now. They're all taking the same side on this Middle Eastern issue. It's this, they're taking the exact same side. They're all supporting Israel no matter what. They're all condemning anybody who, who attacks them whatsoever. They're, they're claiming, again, in this particular case with Baylor University, they're claiming that because they're a Christian institution that no matter what they side with Israel, but they're against violence of any kind. But we side with Israel nonetheless. They sent me this, uh, this letter that the president of Baylor University wrote to all of their faculty, students, staff, etc., etc. This letter, again, all you really have to do is change the word Israel to something like COVID. And it's the same playbook all over again. That instead of just staying out of it and not participating in any of the bullshit, they have to they have to participate. They have to get involved. Because their owners and controllers are making them all get involved. And again, they're not even considering that what they're writing might be immensely offensive to endless people. The very people who claim to be so tolerant and so diverse and so inclusive are far from. Again, the highlighting of the hypocrisy here is next level. So here's what the president, a female, of Baylor University wrote to their staff, students, and faculty. They said, quote, Baylor University is blessed to be comprised of students, faculty, and staff from a D from a this is funny too, by the way, this whole first sentence is incomplete. So let me start over. I forgot about that part. The first sentence is completely incomplete. I mean, did they not have a proofreader? Here's what it actually says. I'm going to read it word for word. Baylor University is blessed to be comprised of students, faculty, and staff from a diversity of religious backgrounds, including Jewish and other faiths. Again, incomplete sentence, but whatever. Anyway, moving on, they said, quote, We accept that no institutional words or deeds can erase the unfathomable pain and sorrow many of you feel because of the horrible Hamas terror attacks in Israel and the Gaza Strip. These attacks have been senselessly carried out on thousands of innocent Israeli and Palestinian civilian men, women, and children creating a devastating humanitarian crisis in the process. So, so far, they're basically playing the middle road as much as they can. That senseless attacks have occurred on both sides, hurting endless people, regardless of age. Wait for it, though. They eventually take their hard turn. They said, quote, our response to these atrocities is grounded in our commitment to love our neighbors as ourselves and to educate men and women for worldwide leadership and service. As a Christian research institution, we believe we have a responsibility to teach. Therefore, on Wednesday, in the Barfield Drawing Room at 3.30 p.m., we will, we will provide Baylor students 
faculty and staff with an opportunity to learn and understand the political, historical, and religious context of the war now being waged. Now, you know what is going to take place within that particular lecture hall. I mean, you can take a guess. It'll be one-sided. There's no doubt about it. And it continues here with their bullet points. They said, in addition, at Baylor, we believe in prayer and on Thursday in Elliston Chapel at 4 p.m., we will hold a prayer for peace gathering for the something by this conflict. Sorry, it's uh, blurred out there for some reason. Led by University Chaplain and Dean of Spiritual Life, Dr. Bert Burleson, this will be a time for reflection and support for those around us. Well, time and support and reflection for whom exactly? Are they going to support other voices that maybe don't agree with them? Is that going to happen? Their next bullet point says, if you need additional support in helping personally manage these terrible events, we strongly encourage you to contact the counseling center or the university chaplain. Finally, here it comes, in solidarity with a fellow faith-based institution, we have signed onto the Yeshiva University Statement Against Hamas. And then they said in bold, we stand together with Israel against Hamas. And then it says, quote, we are horrified and sickened, and apparently this is the faith-based statement, but we are horrified and sickened by the brutality and inhumanity of Hamas, murdering innocent civilians, including babies and children, raping women, and taking the elderly as hostages are not the actions of political disagreement, but the actions of hate and terrorism. Raping women, ladies and gentlemen, this apparently is, is a thing. The basis of all universities is the pursuit of truth, irony, and in times, and it is rather, times like these that require moral clarity. These people disgust me because they're not even hearing what they're writing. And then in the next sentence, they are your moral compass. It continues, it says, like the fight against ISIS, the fight against Hamas is a fight against evil. We, the presidents of universities across the United States of America and the world, stand with Israel, with the Palestinians who suffer under Hamas's cruel rule in Gaza, and with all people of moral conscience, unquote. Then it wrapped up with this, quote, We know there are indescribably challenging days for the Baylor family, and in this moment we weep with those who weep and look forward to a day when the Lord will make peace, our governor, and when violence will no longer be heard in our world, ever heeding Christ's words, quote, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Matthew 5, 9. Again, the hypocrisy is palpable, and that is from, sincerely, their president, Linda A. Livingstone, Ph.D., unquote. They don't even hear themselves talk. This is how blind to the truth they are. They will write it, contradict themselves in the very next sentence, 
And then by the time you reach any letter that they write, you want to ask yourself, wait a minute, did you not read the first paragraph that you wrote? Again, all of these institutions claiming to be tolerant, diverse, inclusive, ladies and gentlemen, they've shown their hands here. They are furthest from. It is their way or the highway. It is trust us, trust the media, or else. This is, this is the line in the sand. It's right here. This is the war. It's right here. People, again, consistently talk about trying to avoid a civil war in our country. I'm sorry. It's already here. It's right here. And this has continued to prove it. Individuals that refuse to learn because Zogbot cuts their checks and signs their checks. That's a huge problem. And if there's a university pact that clearly exists, that endless universities are signing on to, well, then you should know exactly who runs these universities and who's really in control of them. They're Bolsheviks. It's not just that way because of bloodline. It's not just that way because of money. It's that way because of ideology. It's that way because of the tactics that they employ. Same thing over and over and over again, regardless of the institution. The same people that went along with the COVID lie are the same people going along with this lie too, and endless other lies. And again, you've heard me say, even back with the Glenn Beck comment that he made, he can't for the life of him understand why Joe Biden is supporting the same thing he's supporting. So just like that, everybody's apparently on the same side all of a sudden. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. And I am not on these people's side. I will never be on the side of a Bolshevik or anybody who associates. Not ever. Not ever. Okay. Speaking of more Bolshevik tactics, in particular when it comes to the invasion of our country, get a load of this. This was making the rounds the other day because there was a group of a couple of guys driving past Moorhead Middle School in El Paso, Texas. And uh, it's a vacant school. And what have you heard me say they're going to use vacant schools for? Illegals. And sure enough, on September 25th, or the days before September 25th, the entire city council of El Paso voted 5-0 to zero to allow for the school to be used as a safe haven for illegal migrants. Migrants. No, they're illegal aliens. They're criminals, and they should go back to where they came from. So again, this is happening, and it can't just be in El Paso. I'm telling you, as these buildings continue to empty and continue to shut down, yes, they could sell them to a hospital conglomerate or a mental institution or any other group, I suppose. They could also just confiscate it as a city because the cities, in many cases across the United States, got all that COVID cash. So why not invest in uh, a little bit of property? They do that all the time anyway. They're practically in the real estate business anyway. So why not confiscate some of the old schools and pack them to the gills with illegals to keep them all sort of out of the way? I'm telling you, it's not just going to be border towns and border cities that do this. It's already happening in New York. It's happening in California. It has to be happening in places like Kansas, too. It has to. Doesn't matter how small the building. This is where it's heading. This is exactly where it's heading, in my opinion. So they even had cops outside. 
of the, of this particular building again, uh, protecting the people on the inside who are illegal. I mean, wrap your head around that one too. It's it's mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. Okay, I have two election related stories here regarding schools and school districts, and uh, a, certainly a number of things to consider. Certainly before voting. And then, of course, taking into consideration the motives of the enemy and what it is that they want us to think about and what they want us to do and what they want us to forget about. This first thing comes from Jesse James, and he sent this my way. This was a pamphlet that apparently is making the rounds within everyone's mail. And this is the Fenton Area Public Schools in Michigan. And on the front side, it says, quote, at Fenton Area Public Schools, strong schools mean strong communities. And it says, learn about our no mileage rate increase, school safety, security, and facilities bond proposal for the Tuesday, November 7th ballot. And then on the backside, it says the following. Let me blow this up real quick. Again, they're playing on emotions because they want you to think, hey, This isn't your average bond issue. This isn't your average levy. This has to do with school safety. We're not going to raise your taxes, ladies and gentlemen. It just has to do with school safety, and that should be everyone's number one priority. Well, if it's school safety you're interested in, you should understand that schools are not safe nor moral environments of any kind whatsoever, which means sending your children there is, is what? It's a colossal error. It says the top, at the very top of the back side of this pamphlet here, it says, Strong schools mean stronger Fenton, stronger neighborhoods, and higher home values that make our community a great place to live, work, raise a family, or start a small business. So saith John Wentworth III of Wentworth Real Estate Group. So they got one, they got one hack's opinion on property values and used his quote. That's, that's good. One does not speak for the masses. It then says this. It says, The school safety, security, and facilities bond proposal builds on Fenton's proven track record that prepares students for success and in-demand careers. That includes Fenton High School's number one ranking of all Genese, Genese, if I'm saying that right, Genesee County High Schools in U.S. News and World Report. Uh Uh-oh, there's the U.S. News and World Report again. Well, they must be right. (laughs) It's incredible. It's incredible. There's that fraudulent, uh, fraudulent ranking system that we pay into to make sure that we find our way toward the top. It says the following. It says, School Safety, Security, and Facilities Bond Proposal would. Let me blow this up a little bit more. It says, fund safety upgrades district-wide, including new security cameras, new secure entryways and windows, and updated door locks. This is the product of what fake school shootings actually produce. This is it. This is the reaction. The next one says, replace aging roofs, mechanical plumbing, and electrical systems district-wide to keep our students safe, warm, and dry. Because who wouldn't want that? It says install air conditioning and replace aging ventilation systems to promote a healthier school environment. 
It says provide new instructional technology in all school buildings that helps prepare students for the jobs of tomorrow, including the skilled trades. Ladies and gentlemen, a person's home is all you need because really all you need is an individual mind. That's it. That's all you need to learn. You don't need higher taxes, taxing yourself into poverty in order to send them to a place that they are tricking you into believing needs to exist. It doesn't need to exist. It then says, a fiscally sound and transparent proposal. Uh-oh, there's the kiss of death. They said transparent. Here's what it says. FAPS, F-A-P-S, the Fenton Area Public Schools, has a proven track record of fiscal responsibility, transparency, and accountability. That's not true. They're proving they're not fiscally responsible because their buildings are crumbling. They're proving that they're not transparent because if they heard what I was saying right now, they wouldn't want to listen to it. And they certainly never want to be held accountable. That entire, that entire sentence is fake. It's a complete and utter lie. It goes on with two more bullet points. It says, if approved, the school safety, security, and facilities bond proposal will not increase the current mileage rate while keeping the district on a sound financial path. Nope. Always a lie. Nothing is free, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing is free. It says this proposal would subject would be subject rather to public reporting and disclosure requirements so the public knows how every penny is being sent. Yes, that's right. Because American K-12 schools never hide pennies, do they? <laughs> they always they always tell the truth about their finances. They never hide pennies. They never hide money. No, they never do that. Beyond embarrassing, they're preying on people's emotions. Well, I want my child to be safe, so I need to vote yes. And you should too, because why don't you want your child to be safe? I'm voting yes because I'm voting for your child. I hate when people say that. I can't flip and stand it. I can't stand it. I'm voting for your child. I'm voting for their education. That's why I'm voting yes. Just vote for yourself. We can take care of ourselves. We don't need you. We don't need you around. Here's another example of what people should consider when they vote for school board members, ladies and gentlemen, and you vote to tax yourself into oblivion. I'm going to revisit this story. I'm going to refresh your memory on this. This is a local issue where I live. You may recall that there was a female middle, middle school student back in late 2021 who was sexually assaulted by a male middle school business teacher. You remember me bringing up that story? The guy was placed on paid leave, and then he was allowed to resign. He was not criminally charged, although he should have been. And the district, basically, as school board members, took a back seat and said there's a separate Title IX investigation taking place. We can't comment on anything, but we will go ahead with whatever recommendation they make, and that's what we will do. And then, of course, ultimately, they allowed the teacher to resign. They accepted his resignation, and that was that. The student, as you would imagine, suffered mentally, emotionally, physically, socially, was even called a liar. When the entire thing was true, 
And then during this entire process, another female student from the past, who has since graduated, came back to openly admit in a school board meeting that this same teacher had actually assaulted her also sexually in school, and that administrators knew and that the district knew and nothing had been done. Okay, now, this was sent my way from a Facebook page, and this is from the father of the girl who was sexually assaulted back in 2021, Dustin LeMay. Here's what he says, quote, This is a long read, but an important slash informative one. Most of you know by now I am the father of one of the students who fell victim to a former teacher at Talawana Middle School. As the school board election approaches, I feel obligated to speak out. Although the teacher is no longer with the school district and no longer holds a teaching license, the pain that he caused still exists in those kids. As a community, you are tremendous in standing up for the right thing by showing your support for the victims. During the Title IX investigation, it was, in, it was concluded that the teacher did in fact violate multiple policies and was found that beyond a preponderance of evidence to have inappropriately touched not only my daughter, but another former student as well. While it was somewhat of a shock to the community, when the news originally broke, it wasn't a shock for our administration or school board members. Throughout the investigation, it was revealed that they did in fact know about prior complaints made against the teacher. These complaints dated back several years. When voting, please keep in mind that all current school board members are each personally named in a federal lawsuit, along with the district itself. I've seen interviews where members brag on their ability to be transparent, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Unquote. Very quickly, it continues, and I'll read more. He's specifically referencing Dr. Rebecca Howard who, again, I've made comments about her on the show before. She was on the Miami University, uh, Miami Student Podcast recently, as all of these board members are showing up there. And they're all, again, they're all claiming that uh, they've done nothing but the right thing this entire time. And that even Rebecca Howard, when asked, you know, what would you change? Or is there anything you would do differently? She openly said, we've done everything right and we need to keep moving in, in the same correct direction this entire time. She's an idiot. There's no way around it. Name calling, I fully understand it is warranted. She's just a bone dead idiot. She was involved in this. There's no transparency at all. You're hearing it straight from the dad. He's openly admitting that they were covering this up and they should have fired him, and they didn't. They didn't even make a motion to fire him. The dad continues. He says, This current school board hasn't held the safety of our students to a high enough standard. There were years of complaints they elected to ignore. Had they acted appropriately on the complaints, my daughter and others could have been spared the trauma they went through. Yes. When placing your vote for school board members, please try to put yourself in the shoes of the victims and their families. If you vote to elect the current board members back into their positions, that is a direct slap in the face to all. Also, with the federal lawsuit ongoing, who knows if they will even be there long enough to finish the term. 
which again begs the question, why is David Bothist, the school board member that I filed an ethics complaint against for soliciting over five grand, including from at least one of his child's school teachers to pay himself back for Super Bowl tickets, why is he still on the board? You see, ladies and gentlemen, school board members are bags of sand. Some of them are criminals and some of them are just stupid. And they're not criminals, but some of them are. You have to vote out the criminals. And if that means, again, replacing one bag of sand with another, well, then you just do it. That's what you have to do. You don't need to keep voting for the same criminals over and over and over again and expect anything to change. Nothing will change. And as you've heard me say, these schools will cease to exist, and I hope they do. But it's not going to matter one way or another as to who, who enters. The entire thing is going to collapse on the person who is still there. So, but again, this dad has the point, and I agree with him. You have to get rid of the criminals. You have to cast them out. Because there's nothing better than taking away something so pathetic that someone so pathetic so desperately wants. They want these meetings. They want these committees. They want these titles. They want to be associated with it. They want to go on the trips to Columbus and the trips to Washington, D.C. and act like they're some effing big shot. They're not big shots. They're criminals. And image protection is always the name of the game. He continues. If I didn't say this already, I will. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, here we go. Quote, I kindly ask that you put political views aside. Our school board should not function based off of which political party each member is affiliated with and vote based on past performance. It says the three candidates that are all on the ballot to be reelected all had access to the investigation reports and still voted to allow the teacher to resign. As the investigation was ongoing, the board wouldn't comment on anything other than that they were going to follow the advice of their attorney. Well, they lied. The recommendation from the decision maker, who was an attorney they hired, was for the district to discipline the teacher. This recommendation was supported by the next attorney who handled the appeal. This school board has done enough damage. Please do your homework and vote for the candidates we know will take care of our kids. If anyone would like a copy of the federal complaint, feel free to comment below and I will send you a link that will allow you to review it, he says. And then he says, I appreciate your time for reading this. Changes need to be made. Our district cannot continue down the path it's on, unquote. And one of the people who liked that particular post was one of the women who is running for school board, not as an incumbent, but as a, as a newcomer. I got to tell you, this is the organization. This is it. It's the mob. They're the mob. But they're not smart enough to be the mob. They don't act like the mob. The mob engages in, in illegality, usually behind closed doors. These people do it out in the open. They'll do it on their own social media platforms like David Bothist and soliciting money to pay himself back for Super Bowl tickets. They do this kind of thing constantly, right in front of people's faces. Because they think that what? It's not against the law? Or that they're entitled? 
As an elected official, you have endless laws and rules that you have to follow that you don't have to follow as your average citizen. But these people don't know that. They have to go. They all have to go. And I've already voted. And I know I shouldn't have voted early, but I voted early. And uh, I did, and I got it over with, so to speak. I know that's not a good way of putting it, but you get what I'm saying. And I voted to have all of them removed. All of them. All of the incumbents have got to go. They have been associated with the complete collapse of this. They've been associated with the mask wearing, the shot taking lie, the bioweapon distribution. They were doing it in their own schools. They've led to the sickness and ill health of their staff members and students, and they're going to continue to do it because they will always eat out of the bucket that is the flavor of the month. It does not matter what flavor it is. It could be strychnine, and they'll still eat out of it. That's how bone-dead stupid they are. And as you've heard me say a million times on this show, of course, it was one of the foundational aspects of the show, is that it really is the mask wearing, the shot taking, the distancing, the walk around with a plastic divider as a as a minor and all that other nonsense. Stay at home. There's a there's a invisible thing flying through the air that's going to kill us all. That entire psychological operation they went along with it. They went along with it. And they haven't apologized for that either. That the whole thing was a lie. And that lie scooped up not only them as individuals, because they're all jabbed, at least twice jabbed. God knows why they're still walking around. Some of them have to be three times jabbed. But they were warned constantly. I walked into the building with informed consent in my hands that was deleted by the FDA that included death. And I was kicked out of the building, let out by police. I have the whole thing on, on camera. Again, these people have been warned over email, they've been warned face-to-face, and they're continuing to go along with it. They all have to go. Every single person who went along with this depopulation agenda has to go. And then you need to start rooting out the administrators and teachers. I mean, that's really where where the real work starts. If you get the majority on a school board, as you've heard me say a thousand times too, you gotta get rid of your superintendent. Get rid of your treasurer also, because it was the treasurers that were advocating to take the COVID cash. They have to go also. That should be your first two votes as a brand new school board. I make a motion to rescind the contract or pay out the contract of the current superintendent and begin the process of finding a new superintendent. Do I have a second? And they say second. And they say, call the roll. And then you do it. And then you vote that person out, gone. Then you turn and you look at them and you say, hit the bricks. Leave your computer, take your socks and your ass and beat it. And that's it. And then you do the same thing with the treasurer. I make a motion to eliminate the contract or pay out the remaining contract of the current treasurer. Do I have a second? And then you do that. Leave your computer, grab your socks, kiss your ass goodbye, and hit the bricks. You're gone too. And you just start cleaning house. Take a wrecking ball to the entire district office. 
start firing super uh, start firing uh, secretaries i mean just start cutting them all loose diversity equity and inclusion the amount of money you're going to save as a school district will be out of this world but they won't do it because they don't have the flipping balls to do it they just don't they're all afraid we're going to get sued then fire your lawyer <laughs> fire your legal team they were in on it too See, here's the problem. Even when these new school board members take over, if they do take over, and I hope they do, they're not going to do what I just said. They won't do it. That's why I can't run for school board, and I, and, and I never would, is because I would be making these suggestions and these motions on a month-in, month-out basis, and I would get shot down every single time. Well, that's a long process, and we have to learn about the process of finding a new superintendent. Who's to know? Well, your interview process in finding a new superintendent is remarkably easy, actually. You look at the person and you say, how many COVID shots did you take? Oh, you took some? Well, have a nice day, because we want somebody who's going to be alive a little bit longer. So you don't want that person. And yes, you get to discriminate because of their VAC status. It's a bioweapon. That'd be like asking them if they're a heroin addict. Are you a heroin addict? Well, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. You're going to have to find another place to work because we aren't interested in hiring people who inject themselves with poison. Have a nice day. And that's your interview process for finding a superintendent. Did you take the jabs? Oh, you didn't. Great. Can you explain why you didn't? Honestly, why, why it is that you chose not to? Because we didn't hopefully, as school board members. So why didn't you? And then see what they say. Because ultimately, your bottom line is, is you want somebody who's not brainwashed. But that's really hard picking, isn't it? That's slim pickings. And I don't think that's going to happen. That's why, again, it's, one, it's just another avenue as to why the entire system is going to crumble. Here's another avenue as to why it's going to crumble. This is from Steve Kirsch's newsletter on Substack, kirschsubstack.com. Title, The Died Suddenly Quote-Unquote Vax Versus Unvaxed Statistics Tell You Everything You Need to Know. The subtitle says, The vaccine advocates claim that people have been dying suddenly throughout history, and it's nothing unusual. But they aren't telling you that nearly all that died suddenly, quote-unquote, were COVID-vaccinated. Let me get down to the executive summary. It says the following, quote, The ratio of COVID-unvaxed to vaxed in the people who died suddenly since the rollout of the COVID vaccines is estimated to be fewer than 1 in 1,000. Yet 25% of Americans are not vaccinated. If the COVID vaccine isn't related to the deaths, then roughly 25% of the people who die suddenly should be unvaccinated. This isn't the case. It's less than 0.1%. This is statistically impossible to occur unless there is a cause, as I explained below, he says. One explanation, the vaccine is causing the deaths. Is there another explanation? No one has ever offered an alternative. It then says this. Mark Crispin Miller, 
has been tracking quote-unquote died suddenly deaths since 2022. He estimates that he has documented over 10,000 such deaths since he started. In one of those deaths, he was notified that the deceased was not vaccinated with the COVID vaccine. Only one. He said, but let's be conservative and say that there were 10 times as many of these and that one in a thousand deaths were unvaccinated. In the U.S., 25% of us are not vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccine. So in 10,000 deaths, we'd expect to see 2,500 deaths, but we only saw 10 deaths. That could happen by chance, he says. The probability is is really small, though. He says it's even so small that even Mark Crispin was off by three orders of magnitude and there were 1,000 people who were unvaccinated and died suddenly. It says, so if the discrepancy of expected versus observed didn't happen by chance, which it didn't, there must be a cause. What is it? From speaking with each one of the authors, here are the stats I got for the number of unvaccinated versus the number they have reported of people who quote-unquote died suddenly. William Mackis says zero in 2,000. Ed Dowd says one in 550. And Mark Crispin Miller says one in 10,000. Steve Kirsch highlights then one particular case of a guy who died of a heart attack on October October 12th of, of this year while taking a bath. It then says eight-year-olds rarely die from heart attacks like this where there is no cause. It's a, fewer, it's a fewer than one in a million occurrence. See if you can find a similar case of this happening before the COVID vaccines rolled out. Isn't it odd that it happened to a national spokesman for the vaccine in Israel? And then he says, am I wrong? It's simple enough to show without doing a lot of work. Just research one month of the sudden deaths reported on Miller's or Maccus's substacks in September of 2023. I just chose this arbitrarily. Then determine the number who did not get the COVID vaccine and publish the list. Or research the first 100 people in Ed Dowd's book, Cause Unknown. What percentage were not vaccinated of the first 100 names listed? He says, based on Mark and Ed's statistics, the COVID vaccines are likely causing more than a thousand-fold rise in the number of sudden deaths. If you hear of someone who died suddenly, then more than likely, then more than likely they died from the COVID vaccine. That's what the numbers say. Yeah, it's almost a 99% certainty. I also want to mention this too. This is from Dr. Maria Mahalcia. And she, of course, is, has a has a substack, and she's constantly pumping out information. Her last few substacks have had to do with dental anesthesia and how the lipid nanoparticle hydrogel stuff is inside of those as well. So I recommend bouncing over to her substack and checking those out if you are interested. I certainly wouldn't recommend any de- uh, dental anesthesia of any kind uh, these days, anyway. Not a good idea. Um, there's also this. I wanted to provide two updates here. These were, again, two stories I've been bringing up here this this past week. One from AJ and then the other from our Michigan business friend. First of all, regarding her, 
this was the again the uh, the individual who had the covid swab test and it broke the blood brain barrier and then caused her to bleed and then she had to have facial surgery in order to uh, stop the bleeding from happening i don't have any updates necessarily to provide regarding her case i know she's still in the hospital from what i've been told but um it doesn't again it doesn't look like things are certainly in a good place regarding any of that so certainly shoot a prayer her way if you can and uh it's just an absolute nightmare because the entire thing is based on a lie there is no covid the tests do nothing and yet it was the tests that now have her theoretically lobotomized for lack of a better phrase so certainly hope for any kind of improvement but the hospital has to be essentially attempting to cover their tracks as much as humanly possible. So there's that. Uh, there's also this regarding AJ and that little girl who was intubated for having diarrhea and E. coli. Her name was Autumn, if memory serves. I asked uh, how she was doing, and he said the following. He said, the, the girl is doing okay, but the BiPAP is uncomfortable. And they put her back on sedatives. The parents are getting played. The docs have screwed her up to where she is fragile. I've heard the docs sometimes give the shut the F up doses to patients. It's easier for the docs and it scares the families into compliance. Uh, guess what sedatives she is on most of the time, he asked. And then he said fentanyl. I gave some advice to the father last night to discuss with Todd Callender about petitioning the court for a different hospital due to loss of confidence. Though we know judges are dumb too and as stupid uh, and as stupidly woke as the Asian female doc is, who of course I brought up in the last episode, and she's a monster. He continued and said, I also told him sedatives are not life-saving. And then he said, Sean, the court gave Stanford control over any life-saving quote-unquote decisions. And then he said, and nasal cannula, C-A-N-N-U-L-A, is less intrusive alternative to BiPAP. It's not as if she suffered brain injury or chest trauma. Here was the father, Bill Hall's response to my suggestions, quote, we briefly looked into switching hospitals, UCSF, which is University, uh, I'm sorry, UC San Francisco, was going to interview us first, but a nurse told me most insurances won't pay for the switch if it's just a lateral move and not a step up. But I'd have to confirm, but I truly feel they'd be just as bad up there and it would definitely make more like, make life more difficult rather being even further away from home. Uh, yep, she was on the nasal cannula for a while. It's all she would need, but they are obsessing over the daily chest x-ray and the water in the lungs, and they caused, I'm sorry, water in the lungs that they caused and the pneumonia she has that they also caused. Uh, quote, she pulled out her nose-feeding tube today and they want to reinstall it tomorrow, even though there's other ways to get her nutrients through IV bag. We're going to talk to the attending doctor tomorrow to try to avoid further trauma for this child, unquote. 
AJ continued and said, uh, the think they are the smartest, they think that they're the smartest folks ever. They're still wearing masks like dumb shits. If I was the cop father, I would tell them someday you will need me and you better hope I treat you better than you have my family. I think the problem is the parents did not establish boundaries with the medical staff early on. Simple things like reading the Bible to her daughter for 10 minutes every morning, or staff waits outside during that time, or requires staff to remove masks before speaking with the daughter and parents. He said, latest update from the father, she is pretty good, talking a bit, sedative has come down, again in a few hours as well. They took out the catheter, but did install the feeding tube. Because they still want her on BiPAP, that gives, I'm sorry, that gives and takes pressure. If she eats food, the suction from the BiPAP that she doesn't need could cause her to throw up or have food come up and she could choke and have issues. That's their reasoning. So we did it. We have we have to walk a fine line now that CPS is very much involved. I'd love to just say F you we're doing it our way, but I'd also like to hold on to my daughter and not lose her to CPS. Tough spot to be in, but overall she's doing good, definitely getting better. She said the father Bill and one of the kids stay at a nearby hotel at night. I invited them to stay at my place, and the police department is paying for his hotel, but that might stop any day. He then said to me, he said, I swear I thought you or someone else mentioned to be careful about that place, uh, the Ronald McDonald House, that is. Apparently, the Ronald McDonald House offered to uh, have them stay about a mile away there. And uh, he said, I didn't say anything to the father because I didn't remember the concern. Do kids go missing at the Ronald McDonald house? I texted him back or emailed him back. And yeah, there's a lot of sketchy stuff that goes on at the Ronald McDonald house, without a doubt. Kids disappear. It's a CPS sanctuary for kids. Um, Me personally, I would stay away from it. I've heard people say that it's a good experience, and I've heard people say it's a nightmare of an experience. So if you hear the nightmare part, well, then there's your answer. He also said this from the father. He said, quote, we definitely regret coming here or even to the ER in general. We know we can heal her at home. It's just a matter of getting there without CPS getting involved. I suggested, he, AJ said that he suggested ivermectin and other high dose vitamin C and B vitamins. She will probably have to recover by now. Peptides as well can restore her gut microbiome. And then vitamin D3, K12, B vitamins, zinc, and vitamin C. I said, yeah, she's got to get outside. She needs to get get in the sun. And yeah, ivermectin is an anti-inflammatory without a doubt. You know, probably, again, high vitamin, nutrients, liquid, green stuff, all that that good stuff. Again, I'm not a medical doctor, but if you're trying to repair the gut and the uh, digestive organs, you got to go liquid for a while. So there you go. Just wanted to provide some updates, and that's happening. I'll mention this. Uh, I haven't spoken about the Speaker of the House race. I'm going to make. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read this particular interesting comment. It ties in a couple of Q posts. Bear with me on this. Um, I think that this Speaker race with Jim Jordan now bowing out essentially and taking his name out. I think 
that that was just reported recently as I'm recording this, but I think there's more going on here than than what meets the eye. What we do know at face value if it is if there's no speaker, then there's no money going to Israel. There's no more money going to Ukraine. Money can be promised, but it can't be sent. There have to be votes on this kind of thing. A president of the United States can't just move the money there. Uh, and uh, oddly enough, with all that said, as I was recording this show, I kid you not, and this has never happened before, I've seen military helicopters and aircraft uh, over the property where I live before, but I've never seen these. Massive Osprey helicopters just flew over and shook the house. There were at least four of them, if not five or more. I even ran out and saw one of them, but I was a dumbass and I didn't have my phone with me. It was low, too. And again, if it wasn't the Osprey, then it was one like the Osprey. It had the two propellers in the upward direction, okay? And then, of course, the fuselage right down the middle. Now, Wright-Pat Air Force Base is directly to our north, slightly northeast. And uh, these were coming from the direct north and sort of north-northwest, and they were heading south-southwest. So that's happening. I'll see if I can get some footage and maybe put it on Gab if they fly over again. But either way, that happened. Rather interesting, and it's unmistakable, the sound of a military helicopter. Very cool. Either way, here's a post from GreatAwakening.win, and it says the following. It says, 10 days darkness, darkness, or darnkes, D-A-R-N-K-E-S-S is is what was initially in the Q post. And then it says, darkness, 17 November shutdown, sirens and flashing lights going off. Now, here's what they said. They said, first off, yes, shameless date fagging ensues, but please hear me out. It says the continuing resolution runs out on the 17th of November, then comes shutdown, 10 days, darkness. They said, stay with me, Anon's Q posted darn kess, D-A-R-N-K-E-S-S, in post 97. K and N are switched, and K is the 11th letter switched with N. November is the 11th month. Q asked in a Q&A, 10 days darkness, question mark, when? Unquote. And then Q answered with simply saying shut down. Unquote. It says on, Nove- on the 17th of November, the government will shut down. Can't approve a new budget or a continuing resolution without a Speaker of the House. Need the shutdown to turn off, quote-unquote, the, the deep state mechanisms. I bet you the Kabuki Theater in Congress right now is to make for sure the resolution runs out. On the 17th, there's that number again. The government shuts down. On the 27th of November, we emerge from dark to light, unquote. We will see. We'll see. Anything that keeps money out of the deep state's hands and out of these corrupt government officials' hands and keeps it from sending it to other Zogbot, uh, deep state, Kazarian Mafia players, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Whatever, again, theater game is being played, if, if, if it's being played for normies or just to confuse people on one dimension, that's fine, but there has to be way more going on. There just has to be. So with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend. I know there was a lot of content there, but uh, there you go.
That's what's going on, and it's much, much more as well. I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.